letting me not only come and share here, but at Wheelie Castle as well. I managed to navigate the gauntlet from one church to the other and was pleased it was a Sunday without the Birmingham traffic and all of those things. But it's a pleasure to be here. And um, my time with Phil actually goes further back than his previous church. It was the job did before his previous church where we both worked for Youth for Christ. Uh, and I promise not to go on about that this morning. But um, the, the, there's quite a bit of history over the years, isn't there, Phil, in terms of uh, various uh, similarities and, and roles that we've done. So um, when I'm not um, speaking here, I uh, am principal of Regents Theological College. I'm also director of training for Elim. And for those who don't know, Elim is a network of about 550 churches in the UK, uh, about 4,000 churches across the world. And, and my role is to kind of help those who are in leadership, those who are interested in going into leadership within the church or beyond the church to be anointed and equipped for what it is that God has called them to. And um, I, I, we've got a little bit of information uh, that I'll just put at the back. If anyone's interested in some of our courses as a college or you want to check out our website, um, we work very closely with the, the Limitless Youth Team and have a youth ministry course. We've got a performing arts and theology course. We, we train people for church leadership um, and people who want to apply theology in the real world. Don't get scared by that word theology. It's just understanding God. How do we understand God in the world and make sense of him? And if you want to know more about that, feel free to uh, ask me later. Um, let's turn to John chapter 15. We're going to look at this passage. And while you're flicking through and finding your way, whatever version you're using, uh, whatever technology you're using, or whether you're still um, in your paper version of the Bible, which is always great as well, let me tell you a secret about myself. Um, so I, I'm quite adventurous in many ways, but there's one kind of adventure that you associate with lots of people that I absolutely detest, and that is fairground rides. I, I just can't, I, I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's I'm scared of heights, I don't know if it, I can't like, handle spinning round too long, or I just feel like I'm out of control, but fairground rides and me do not go hand in hand. And uh, I was going out with my now wife, we've been married for 26 years, Liz and I were on a waltzers, you know, at a fairground, and she insisted going on it three times, and the third time, I, I need to admit this, I actually threw up and lots of it went over her. Uh, it was just kind of, we were, we were only going out, I'm still surprised she kind of married me, but she should have got the message at that point that I didn't like fairground rides. However... Long story cut short, a couple of years ago, and uh, maybe the picture will appear on the screen if magic of technology um, works, I went to a really special theme park over the other side of the water. Uh, it was called um, Disney World or Disneyland or whichever one it is, but it was in Florida. And I just thought, I can't travel all the way to America and not go on some kind of fairground ride. So one of my favorite films was, um, you know, the kind of Pandora world and Avatar. So I thought, well, let, let me choose this one. But if I'm honest with you, I was really scared. Now, my wife knew something about me that I'm also incredibly competitive so the night before, she said, Dave, I've been looking up and I've noticed that getting on these fairground rides, there's huge queues. I mean, sometimes four-hour queues to get on one ride, but I'm sure you'll be able to get us on a little bit quicker than that. So I'm thinking, okay. So I start reading all the blogs. I start watching the YouTube videos. And I discovered that if you arrive two and a half hours early to Disneyland before it opens, they just let people in anyway. 
So it opened at nine o'clock in the morning. We got there at half past six. My wife wasn't pleased, but uh, she asked me to do a job. We were going to do the job well. And and we kind of raced through the queues that weren't really there. There was like half a dozen people around. And and we followed a few people. And before half an hour was up, we were right at the front of the queue to get on the Pandora ride in Disneyland, Florida. At that point, Liz was really excited and I was terrified. This is the point I want to make. I wonder if you've set out on this Christian journey, this adventure of following Jesus, and you've come to a point in your faith where you're thinking, what on earth have I let myself in for? It wasn't kind of what I thought it was going to be. It's a little bit more challenging. You've followed lots of people. You've gone along the journey. You're now there at the front of the queue. The ride's about to go. I'm not sure. This is for me. So what I want to do this morning is from this passage of Scripture, John 15, just unpack really what it means to be a Jesus follower. To know what it means to be somebody who says, I'm going to follow you first. So let's read it together. John chapter 15. We're going to read 17 verses together. So bear with me, follow it in your own version or just listen along. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I've told you this so that your joy may be in you and that joy may be complete My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. And if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. For I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. I just want to kind of unpack four things from this passage that I think if you're really going to be a Jesus follower, you can't ignore. If you want to say, 
Jesus, I'm signed up to, to walk with you, to follow you, to be your disciple in 21st century Britain. I can't turn my back on some of these things Jesus is asking us to do. And this is the first one, that a Jesus follower bears fruit. Fruitfulness is a huge deal to God. Right throughout Scripture, particularly in this passage, we can read it again and again. In fact, one of the key aspects of following Jesus is a fruitful life. And the gardener is really intentional in dealing with unfruitfulness, but he's equally intentional in increasing the fruitfulness of somebody's life. He deals with unfruitfulness, but he also increases fruitfulness. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Goes on to say, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it's more fruitful. Verse 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It's got to remain in the vine. And verse 8 says, this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. How do we give God glory We bear fruit in our lives. We're transformed. We become more like him. We help others become more like him. What marks out a Jesus follower today? What marks out a Jesus follower? It's not turning up here once a week for one hour. It's bearing fruit. Living a life that Jesus has called us to live wherever we are. And that will cause us to turn up here in order to be fresher and richer and more ready to live that life as we go. You see, fruitful people are being transformed. I just want to ask you a question this morning. How is God transforming you? How is your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness self-control, gentleness, increasing at this moment. I I was particularly struck as I was preparing with this word, kindness. As I kind of tune into Facebook every now and again, where lots of Christians seem to spend a lot of their time, I've seen many, many Christians consumed with truth, but sometimes forgetting kindness. I want to get my point over This is really what I believe. I want to stand up for Jesus. So much to the point that we end up alienating everybody else in the process. You see, a fruitful life, yes, seasoned with truth, but also full of kindness and grace. How are you being transformed into the likeness of Christ? I have to admit, I'm not a gardener. I live in a leafy part of Britain, which is Malvern, but I'm not a gardener. However, I did have a go last year at growing some strawberry plants. They didn't go well. They were the kind of strawberries that were so tiny, they looked more like raspberries than strawberries. They didn't taste particularly nice. But I picked one of these strawberries, and I would have been a fool to blame the fruit for the fact that it didn't grow how I wanted it to grow. I'm not staring at the strawberry telling it off for not doing the job it should have done. I've got to trace it down the plant, right the way down to the roots, and inspect the soil and see what's going on in that space. You see, our fruitfulness is dependent on our rootedness in Christ. 
How are you transforming? The other great thing about a strawberry plant, I just need to mention this as an evangelist, is that at some point during the year, it spits off all of these kind of shooter plants. And then if you plant them, you make more strawberry plants. You see, a real follower of Jesus, a real fruit bearer, doesn't just see the fruitfulness of Jesus in their own lives, but it spills out into the lives of others. Followers of Jesus are fruitful people. So my first question to you is, how is Jesus' fruit being made evident in your life? Second challenge I want to pull out from uh, John chapter 15, and verse 10 puts it this way, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. Verse 14, you are my friends... You could change that word for followers or disciples. You are my friends if you do what I command or say. What a challenge that is. I I wonder sometimes if, if we forget as Christians that we've been told to do what Jesus said. Not just believe what he believed, not just know some of the stuff that he did, but actually do what he said. Followers of Jesus, obey. Followers of Jesus do the things that Jesus did. I was 16 years old and I got a job in a kind of um, a private boys school just for the summer because I was saving up to go on holiday. And uh, I was asked to do a job and um, when I was speaking in Wheelie Castle, they've got a big wooden floor. If you've never seen it, go and visit once. It's a really nice wooden floor, like a parker floor. And I was given the job with this electric sander of sanding the floor as a 16-year-old boy. You can imagine this powerful machine and I was just so excited at the damage I could make with this sander. So this kind of rotor blade sand, and I worked my way through it. Like in half a morning, I got through half of the floor, and I was thinking, this is easy. It's meant to be like a two or three day job, but I'm going to get through it in one day. So I decided to kind of have a little detour. And I noticed in the head teacher's office that there was this wonderful oak table that had a few coffee stains on it. And I thought, do you know what? I reckon I could get the stains out of that with my belt sander. It works really well. So I lifted it out into the playground. I wasn't going to do it in their office. I wasn't that foolish. And I roared it up and I got the belt sand and I placed it on the, top of the vine- well, on the top of the table. And I started kind of going along. And it didn't take me too long to realize it wasn't a solid oak table at all. There was a kind of a millimeter level of veneer on the top. And everything underneath was completely cheap and horrible wood. It looked like it was something that... It wasn't. You see, I, I believe that Jesus is calling you and I, as followers of him, to make sure our lives genuinely match up to that which we say we believe. You know, we're Bible people. That doesn't mean we just read it. That means we follow what it says. So let me give you a few examples. We're called to be salt and light, different in this world than the world around us. We're called not to entertain lustful thoughts. We're, we're called to keep our promises. We're called to try not to get our own back when people have a go at us. We're called to love our enemies. We're, we're called to give to those in need. We're called to be committed to prayer in order to get our priorities right. 
We're called to be more concerned with the things of heaven than the things of earth, not consumed with worry or anxiety. We're called not to judge others. We're called to live fruitful lives and we're called to live the same life in public as we do in secret. You see, that's what it means to be an obedient follower of Jesus, to do what he says. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, put it like this. He says, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. One act of obedience, better than a hundred sermons. Only he or she who believes is obedient, and only he or she who is obedient believes. If we say we believe the word of God, let's put it into practice as followers of Jesus. The third thing um, from this passage, verse 12 says, this is my command to you, love each other as I have loved you. What does it mean to be a Jesus follower? What does it mean to say, yes, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Well, I'm going to love other people around me. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one laid down his life for his friends. Verse 17, this is my command, plain and simple, love each other. How are we marked as different to the world? How are we marked as followers of Jesus? We love with a priority. We put others' needs before our own. Philippians 2 says this, don't look out only for your own interests, but take the interests of others into account too. Big conversation going on at the moment up in Glasgow. I don't know if you've been following it. Some people might have watched every second. Some people might be thinking that's not even a Christian issue. Let me just kind of challenge us for a moment. We've been challenged to love the poor. If you're going to love others, certainly love the poor. One of the best ways we can love the poor is to care for our planet. Because the impact of climate change is those in the poorest parts of the world are most affected. If you need a motivation, a Christian motivation to care for the environment, then Jesus said, love the poor. What about this? Love the neighbour. I came across this letter. You probably can't read it. I'm going to read the words to you. It was an American lady in her 90s posted this through the next door neighbour's door during the pandemic. This is what it says. Would you consider being one of my friends I'm 90 years old and I live alone and my friends have passed away. I am so lonesome and scared. Please, I just pray for someone. What does it look like to love our neighbour? Those who are lonely, those who don't have other people around them. How do we love others? Jesus takes it further, says, love your enemies. Love those people that you don't get on with. That's how you really look different as a Jesus follower. Love others. Fourth thing and final thing I just want to pick up on as we kind of start to conclude and bring this together is that that Jesus says in, in John chapter 15 that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you can only do that if you stay connected to him. 
if you remain rooted in Jesus. So 17 verses, if you want to count, feel free. But 11 times in 17 verses, John uses the word remain or abide. How important is it? John knew the only way we can be a follower of Jesus is if we don't do it in a DIY fashion, do it yourself. You've got to do it by staying rooted and connected to him. Remain in me and you'll bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, a number of years ago, if I was teaching on discipleship, I probably would have stood up and tried to encourage you to, to read your Bible a bit more and pray a bit more, which is a good thing to do. Don't get me wrong. But now I think I want to take a step back and I want to say, get to know Jesus and spend time in his presence. And as a result, you'll want to read your Bible more and you'll want to talk to him as much as you can. You see, it's not just a duty. It comes out of a desire. If I love someone, if I remain rooted and connected to God, of course I want to know what he thinks. Of course I want to talk to him and understand how he sees the world and how he sees me and how he sees others. My desire to get to know God drives me to those disciplines that will help me get to know him better. Spurgeon said, the Bible is the only book that should read us as we read it. What are you doing in your rhythm of life? You know, post-pandemic, people have made all sorts of evaluations. I'm enjoying working from home. It's much easier. It's much cheaper. I get less distracted. You know, I enjoy this, so I've decided to reduce my hours at work. I've, I've taken up some hobbies and interests. My garden's looking beautiful. All of the things that we've chosen to do How are you choosing to prioritize your relationship with Christ in all of those decisions? How are you remaining in him? There's a brilliant story um, uh, by a a guy documenting the story of this guy, the Prince of Grenada. So the Prince of Grenada was heir to the Spanish crown and he was sentenced to a life of solitary confinement in a Madrid prison. It was a dreadful, dirty, horrible place. And he was put in this place called the Place of the Skull. Whilst he was there for 33 years, he was given one book to read. So he chose the Bible. And he spent 33 years with the, with, with the, the living word, a, an educated man. And at the end of these 33 years, they were desperate to find out what this man had gleaned from the word of God after 33 years of study. So he died and they went into his prison cell and they looked at some of the scribbles and etchings on the wall to see what encounters with God this man had had. This was the first one that they read. Um, The notations were of this sort. Psalm 118 verse 8 is the middle verse of the Bible. Ezra 7 21 contains all the letters of the alphabet except the letter J. The ninth verse of the eighth chapter of Esther is the longest verse in the Bible. No word or name of more than six syllables can be found in the Bible, etc, etc, etc. 
This guy had spent 33 years with the word of God and all he could come up with was a little bit of Bible trivia. Wouldn't it be a shame if as Jesus followers, we spent so much time hanging out with other Jesus followers, so much time studying his word, maybe even so much time in church and prayer meetings, but, but actually all we were doing was just knowing a bit more about him. When actually Jesus says, come and follow me. What does it mean for you and I to, to follow him today? Let me just give you one more story from Scripture. One of my favorite accounts in Scripture. Jesus just raised from the dead. He's walking down the road on the way to Emmaus. He's chatting with two men, two disciples who don't know it's Jesus And Luke chapter 24 verse 27 says, Beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus interpreted the scriptures concerning himself. They had the most amazing Bible study on that walk to Emmaus. But you know, Luke doesn't record and they were really excited to understand things a bit better. He doesn't say they learnt loads in the process. Luke says in verse 32, Were not their hearts burning within them as they talked on the road and opened up scriptures? My prayer for us this morning is that as Jesus followers, it's not a task, it's not a duty, it's not something we do because our family's always done it or we've done it for years. Actually, our burning passion for Jesus, our rootedness and connection to him is so strong Of course, all we can do is follow him. I'm going to invite you to stand for a moment. I'd love the guys on the music team just to come and and, and join me. Hey, why don't you just stand where you are? I, I just want to present a little challenge to us, just as we take some time to pray and reflect and hear from God. I believe that God is speaking this morning. I believe that as I've been speaking, that you've been hearing challenges from him regarding your own life and your own circumstances. So just as your eyes are closed, and uh, just as we just take a moment to stop and think as the guys just lead us in a song, just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? Are there areas of my life that could be more fruitful? Are there areas in my life that aren't bearing fruit that I just need to lay down before you, God, because that's not the fruitful life you've called me to? Maybe there's a specific area in your life where you know you're not being obedient and there's a moment, an opportunity this morning to repent. just simply means to turn around and go the other way. And this morning God's saying, come on. If you're wanting to be a Jesus follower, you've got to start doing the things I've asked you to do. Maybe you've been challenged this morning about loving others, you know, and God's giving you a particular person or a group of people or just wants to change your heart and and give you a compassion for others. Just invite God to come and break your heart in the way that his heart is broken for the world. Or maybe finally this morning, you're, you're just challenged because you've been trying to do it DIY. 
And God says, no, you can't do it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain rooted in me. Come back to me. Spend time in my presence and I'll show you how to live this life of being a Jesus follower. As the guys just lead us, just for a moment, why don't you just uh, ask God what he's saying to you? What he's whispering into your um, heart this morning?